Tonight's Bible reading is from Mark chapter 1, and it's verses 16 through to 21. Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. This is the word of the Lord. All right, I will start with a trigger warning, right? I don't like offending people, but I'm about to talk smack about reality TV, yeah? Um, so if you're like emotionally invested in reality TV, especially MasterChef, sorry, not sorry. Um, so I don't know if you've watched MasterChef. Put up your hands if you've watched MasterChef. Yeah, cool. Oh, there's so many lies in this place. Like, it needs more people have. Anyway, I hate MasterChef. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> but, but when you watch it, the contestants usually have something in common, right? They usually have something in common. They're all wanting to find meaning and purpose. That's right. I don't know if you've noticed that they want meaning and purpose. The majority of them have left high-powered jobs. A lot of them are lawyers or like uh, high-up managers or doctors or whatever or, or mums, which is probably the highest job you can get. And they want to break free from the high-powered jobs or the shackles of family life and finally do something that I love. I just want to do something for me. I've been serving people for so many years and just slaving away for the man, and now it's time for me to do something for me, right? You picture the nice music in the background as they say that. That's everyone's story. They're there to do something of meaning and significance, do something that's going to match with their inner desires to make the world a better place, because food apparently does that, right? Um, And I reckon... You follow through the season, and then you're like, oh, I wonder what happened old mate from MasterChef in season, whatever. I reckon here's what's happened. About 1% or less, right, end up a celebrity chef, right? 1%, uh, a couple more might get an apprenticeship at the local Ari and scrub dishes, right? <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. Um, and while the rest just return to their executive salary or their home life, just awaiting that next opportunity to live that best life. Um, I'm being a bit facetious, but it, it jumps up in every reality TV show as well, just this search for meaning and significance and to, just to break away from the normal and mundane because I was put here to make a difference and, and punching numbers in an accountant's office isn't doing that. Standing up behind the bar in, uh, in, 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 in a court of law and advocating for some company to take over another company is not doing that. I need to get out there and do something with meaning and significance. It's, it's real. It's a real struggle. Uh, and especially, I suppose, in our modern world where you don't have to do what your dad or your mum did, you're not stuck in that, you know, family business. We have opportunities and everyone wants that. Um, and it's cool, I get it, right? We aren't satisfied with meaninglessness. We aren't satisfied with inauthentic experiences because I think we have an understanding that we were made for something more. We were made for something more than filling in a spreadsheet or pushing a pencil or whatever it is you might find mundane in your life. We were made for something more, and we're constantly disappointed because the thing we thought would bring us more, the new job often or new relationship or new experience, the thing we thought would bring us something more actually just leaves us hungry for more again. And so then it's back on, what's, what, what am I going to find now? Um, what does this mean? 
Well, I think C.S. Lewis put it best many decades ago. I've got a quote of his up on the screen. If I find, my, if I find in myself a desire which no experience can satisfy, no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Right? If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the desire to find meaning or make a difference or, or live with purpose, affect change, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to introduce us to this other world, or maybe reintroduce you. Uh, and it's a world where instead of giving up everything and becoming RSL dish scrubbers or master chefs, uh, we give up everything and become apprentice fishermen. Two weeks ago, we were introduced to the concept of apprenticeship, uh, where Jesus apprentices. We're not just his followers. We sit under his teaching and we learn and we understand, but we're also equipped and transformed to continue that work and to be transformed into his likeness as well. And Jesus has entered into our world, bringing his world, the world that we all long for, and he's invited us along for the ride. And this is apprenticeship. This is what we see in the passage tonight. So the scene is set with, these, no, with Jesus walking beside the Sea of Galilee. I found a photo of it, in case you like photos. Right? Um, where he comes across two brothers, Simon and Andrew. They were fishermen. They were just in the middle of their job, right? Day-to-day work, they're fishermen and they're, they're fishing. And, and the Messiah, Jesus, approaches them at work, at work, in the middle of their work day, and says, come, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. What did they do? Straight away, without even thinking. Mark says at once they left and followed. Like, cool idea, drop the nets, follow. Big call. And I suppose on first reading, you're pretty shocked, right? These guys are at work. Some random dude with a beard walks up and says, stop doing that, come and follow me and fish for people instead. And they drop what they're doing and follow him. Two things to consider. Firstly, they, they knew Jesus. This wasn't their first meeting, and they probably believed he was the Messiah. Actually, they, they would have believed he was the Messiah. Um, the Gospels show us, in, in, the, in the other three Gospels, show us that they'd already spent time with Jesus prior to this event. Uh, they'd seen his miracles. They knew that this guy was a big deal. And so now, when he's calling them, what a privilege to be called to partner with God's chosen one on his mission. So it probably explains why they dropped and went with him. They, they believed this guy was a big deal. And secondly, and this is important to note as well, we see in Jesus' miracles, many of which Mark is about to record in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus has incredible authority. When he speaks, stuff happens. We see him stop a storm, cause demons to submit, blind people see, dead people live, when he speaks, things happen. And so maybe we shouldn't be surprised when he sees a couple of fishermen and says, follow me, and they obey the, earth that, uh, the, the voice that spoke the earth into being. And so then Jesus continues along uh, around the lake where he saw James and John, two other brothers, two other fishermen, and they're working as well. Uh, they're not fishing, but they're mending their nets so they can catch more fish. And their response, well, it's the same as the others, isn't it? They left. Uh, Mark tells us they left their father, their boat, uh, their colleagues, and they followed Jesus as well. Now, I want to do a little thought exercise. Some of you might hate this, but that's all right. Um, I want to help you put yourself in the picture. So close your eyes, please. If you could close your eyes, even if you don't want to play along, just at least pretend, right? Um, close your eyes. And I want you to picture yourself in your normal day-to-day work. 
maybe it's in an office or a classroom or a work site or at home or maybe you're retired and you're just living the dream. I just want to put yourself in the middle of your day-to-day work, right? Just picture that. You're just there. The mundane, you might like it, you might hate it, and you might just be ambivalent, right? Try to bring to mind the feelings of a normal day. Maybe it's accomplishment on something you've created or frustration, busyness, stress, or maybe purpose, maybe a healthy pride in what you're accomplishing. And you're just going about your business and Jesus walks in. Just picture that. Just picture Jesus rocking up in the middle of your work, straight into the office or the work site or the, or the kitchen or the living room. He's a familiar face, right? You know him already. You come here on Sundays, you've heard all about him. Uh, And you may even believe that he's special, that he's God's son. Uh, But as you sit there, amazed at his presence, he walks up to you as you're going about your business, looks you in the eye, right in the middle of whatever you're doing, and he says, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Open your eyes. It's pretty amazing to picture yourself there, right? Because that's what these dudes were doing in the middle of their normal work. But to picture this shouldn't be too foreign because if we understand the Gospels correctly, we understand that this has already happened. This call to follow and fish for men is a universal call to discipleship. It's to you and to me. This call is to apprenticeship, and and it is an interruption to your normal life. Jesus has already walked into your world right in the midst of your day, whatever it is you do, and interrupts it with a call to come fishing. And tonight, as you read those verses, it's, it's Jesus calling you from being an admirer to an apprentice, from someone like Peter and uh, James, and who thought, yeah, this guy's the Messiah, he's a pretty big deal, to actually dropping everything and going fishing with him. And there's two things I want to point out about this call, right? And the first thing is this, this call to fish. This call is singular. Uh, I want you to have a look at the call again. This, Jesus' call is singular. It's one call. Jesus, uh, Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. I say the call singular because to follow Jesus, to be his apprentice means to fish for people as well. Following and fishing are the same thing. Just think about that. Following Jesus and fishing for people are the same thing. Jesus doesn't say, come follow me and then wait till you die so you can go to heaven where everything's nice. He doesn't say, come follow me and build sick buildings and pump out quality music in a monologue of somewhere between 25 and 45 minutes, depending on the preacher, each week. Uh, He doesn't say, come follow me where I'll make you a better person. There's nothing wrong with those things. They're all part of apprenticeship to Jesus, but they are not the essence of it. We are called to follow and to become fishers of people. So what does it mean to fish for people? Well, simply put, to fish for people is to share the good news, uh, the gospel uh, with people, so that they they may go from being God's enemies to God's friends, God's children, The Christianese term for this is evangelism. Many of you would have heard that before. Sharing the good news that Jesus has come and we can now be made right with the creator of the universe and await this whole new creation that he will bring for us. Discipleship and evangelism 
are not two separate things. They're tied up in the same calling. To be an apprentice is to be an apprentice fisherman. And while it's clear in the New Testament, some people are are specifically gifted or called to be evangelists, whatever that may mean, or missionaries. It is the job of everyone, everyone who calls himself a disciple, to share the good news and to fish, to bring people into the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but this is a wake-up call for me. This is a wake-up call for me. I spend so much time doing Christian stuff, all of which is essential, mind you, but I often lose sight of my responsibility to bring others into the kingdom to bring others along on this apprenticeship. And sometimes, to be honest, it's hard work. It can be embarrassing telling people that you're a Christian in today's society. It's not really for me, because you come here, right? No one forces you to come along. I stand up and tell you about Jesus, and you're like, yes, sick, we came to hear about Jesus. But in your day-to-day work, it's probably not the same. I'm sure you telling your mates at work about Jesus isn't as comfortable as me telling you about Jesus. Uh, It's embarrassing. Uh, And... And, but maybe you also just lack interest or motivation and just don't really care. And what's the answer? Well, these verses tell us what the answer is. The verse tells us that it is Jesus, our master, who sends us out. Who sends us out. He does the activity. Um, the old NIV Bible, if you have like the older one than the one we have in the, in the seats here, the old NIV Bible says this, I will make you fishers of men, Right? This, we just said, I will send you out to fish for people. The old one says, I will make you fishers. And that's probably a better translation. Uh, I don't mean to argue with the Bible translators, right? But it's probably a better translation because uh, Jesus makes us fishers of men. He moulds us. He makes it happen. He transforms us from a fisherman to a fisher of men, a fisher of people. Uh, it's not up to us to find that inner motivation to want to passionately share the gospel with people. It is him who makes us fishers of people. But it's up to us then to sit under his teaching, to immerse ourselves in him so that we can be transformed to be more like him, where it flows naturally to share that good news. And so the solution to disinterest in evangelism, even fear of evangelism, which you and I probably feel a lot, is to spend more time with Jesus. Uh, and I know that might sound like a too basic answer, but, but from my experience, the people I know who are the most passionate evangelists are the ones who love Jesus the deepest, the ones who spend hours in prayer and reflecting on his word every day. Uh, and so if you are scared or unsure or uh, don't, don't want to, uh, maybe, maybe try this. Maybe just try sitting with Jesus. Try praying a lot, and reading his word and saturating yourself uh, in, in who Jesus is and see that transformation come as he makes you into an avid fisherman. So the call is singular. To be an apprentice is to be a fisherman. They're not two separate things. You don't have disciples and evangelists. You've got and, and disciples or something. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't very good. Um, right, but, that's, but secondly, the call is costly. It's a singular call. It's one, but it's costly. Um, as we saw before, these guys responded immediately. They knew who Jesus was and they knew the adventure. But it was costly. At this point, Jesus had already upset the establishment. He had already upset the local synagogue, the Jewish worship center, by claiming that he was the Messiah. And now uh, he was on the outside of the synagogue and to hang out with Jesus was to also be on the outside of the synagogue, this center of Jewish life and faith and worship. You're on the outside to admit that Jesus was the Messiah. It's a big deal. 
It meant loss of connections, loss of reputation, loss of family. In this case, they even left their jobs uh, and their, the identity that was tied up in their job, the family business. Their identity was completely transformed. They were no longer fishermen, uh, and that's probably a title they were proud of. So the key word in this passage is left. The two sets of brothers left their jobs, boats, colleagues, and families to follow Jesus. And the concept of leaving something behind is used time and time again in Mark to convey what, to convey what it means to be an apprentice. This idea of leaving. Have a look. If you might want to flick over to Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read Mark 8, 34 to 38. This is one of the key passages in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 8, from verse 34. Uh, Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple, my apprentice, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses or leaves their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. There's a lot to unpack in that passage, but let's just focus in on what he says there, that if you want to follow me, there's a whole heap of stuff you have to leave behind. A call to apprenticeship is a call to leaving things. The call to up and leave your job was unique to these four brothers and and has been to many other Christians, but may not be required of us in our apprenticeship. Maybe it is. Maybe you work for a company or something that is completely and utterly immoral and it's at odds with uh, your Christian walk, but many of us don't. But, But I wonder if the feeling of leaving something behind in your faith is real to you. It's getting tougher to be a Christian, people say, in the workplace, uh, in the quiet at lunch, in your friendship circles. And so it may mean for you a loss of reputation or a weakening of a really strong friendship that you've held dear for many years when they just don't understand you because of your faith. Or missing out on things that once used to give you identity and that you used to love doing, but you understand that they're not good for Christians. But, th- but this is the age-old call of apprenticeship, isn't it? Jesus' apprentices knew straight away what this follow, following of Jesus would mean but they still decided to follow, to drop their nets and follow. Why? Well, they knew he was the Messiah. I think it comes down to that. And they knew that following God's chosen king, the guy who had come from heaven to restore all things and bring us the life and the love of God, would be worth much more than anything else they had to leave behind, whether it's their careers or their families or their money or their friends. But do you believe that? That following the Messiah is worth leaving anything else behind. If we don't believe that, maybe we need a higher view of Jesus. Like Simon and Andrew, if we really grasp that Jesus is the Messiah who has come to restore the world, bring us back into a relationship with God and calls us to be apprentices, this guy who's restoring all things says, you, come and follow me, join the team, If we really get how big Jesus is, then like Simon and Andrew, it takes no second thought, right? And again, my advice is to bask in the beauty of Jesus revealed in the Gospels until you are convinced, not just here, but here of who Jesus is. 
So the call is singular. To be a disciple, to be an apprentice, is to be a fisherman. Uh, but the call is costly. I will give you a bit of an application. And in a moment, I'm going to give you some practical next steps, how you can actually uh, oops, live this out. Can you switch back across, please? Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, what are the, I'm, I'm going to give you some next steps in a moment, how, how you can actually put this into practice. Uh, we've got some very easy, concrete ways for you to do that. Um, but before we do that, I realise that practical ne- next steps don't work if your heart's not convinced, right? I can tell you what the next step is, but if, if you haven't had a change of heart, then you're not going to do it, and nor am I. Uh, the Gospel, the Bible, the Word of God is here to change our hearts, which will then change our actions. So... Why should this truth about your apprenticeship to Jesus excite you? Why should it? How does it actually impact your day-to-day life? So it really comes down to that, doesn't it? What difference will it make? And it's an important question, and it's something that at NBC we believe that the, we, we believe that the Word of God actually does impact our day-to-day lives, and if it doesn't, then we're wasting our time. And so, how is this impacting your life? Well, Jesus calls you as we envisioned before, to be his apprentice and to go fishing for people. Now, to bring people into his kingdom. How does this impact you? Think back to MasterChef, right? Um, think back to our longing to do something eternally significant, something of meaning, something of substance, something that's more than just filling out a spreadsheet or changing another nappy, but something that has eternal significance, right? Jesus calls us to something that has eternal significance, Something that has eternal meaning. Job satisfaction, sorry, job dissatisfaction is so high because we rightly understand that we were made for something bigger, right? We rightly understand that we were made for something more than sitting at a desk and being bored. But the answer isn't found in a more meaningful and purposeful job. Go find one, give it a go. Uh, it might make you a bit happier, but it's not going to answer all those questions. Because if everyone had to work in a job that had meaning and significance, we'd all have jobs in churches and non-profits and the business and finance and retail sectors would, would, would struggle for, for Christians, right? We'd all leave whatever we were doing, we'd all become pastors and we'd have like 10 sermons a week, right? Um, maybe you're keen. Uh, but what if, what if you could take your mind off your career and social life as a source of meaning and significance? What if you could search for meaning and significance somewhere else than your career and your social life and your family? What if? And see an opportunity that would transform your current career, an opportunity that would transform your personal life to something of eternal significance. What if we could switch our minds like that? Because Jesus walks into your workplace, whether it's at home as a parent or a retiree or in the office or on the work site, wherever it is, he comes to you and says, come and follow me and we're going to go fishing for people. Your life's significant. Your call to share the good news with the world will give you more meaning than any job. It can transform the way you see your employer, your employees, your colleagues, and anyone you work with in the world around you. It has eternal significance because we're calling people out of darkness into light. And it reframes the way you see everything. You have meaning and purpose, not because of your career or your relationship status or your friendship group, but because you are partnering with the Messiah, the restorer of all things on the biggest, most incredible mission the world has ever seen. You can't be bored. You can't be stagnant. Your job and personal life all of a sudden becomes exciting 
because you know that you've been enlisted and employed in the greatest and most significant and eternally important vocation, fishing for people. And when you get this, your satisfaction in life and work will increase because you know that everything you do has eternal significance. Even if you spend your days changing nappies or sitting at a computer or whatever it else might be that fills your time. Eternal significance. Because as you're doing those things, you're fishing for people. Let that convict your heart while I tell you these next steps. Ways that you can, can jump on board in fishing for people. We have a couple of slides. Dylan, can you pop the next one up for me, man? Switch back to... Should be another Leon. You'd be an apprentice fisherman. Here we go. Uh, here's the first one, school scripture needs. Now, as I said before, it's getting harder and harder to share the gospel in society. People don't want to hear about it. Uh, we're, we're, we often hear this stuff about how closed our society is to the truth of Jesus, how secular we're becoming, and how the world is all moving away from, from, from morality and from truth and from cent- centering on Jesus. We hear this all the time, right? But here in New South Wales, and only in New South Wales, we have something that doesn't make sense in a secular country we have an opportunity for one hour a week to go into a local public school with a Bible and teach kids about Jesus. Right? Just think about that. I'm going to say that again because you didn't get excited enough. You have, we have an opportunity in New South Wales to go into a local public school and teach kids about Jesus. In a secular 21st century society that hates Christianity apparently, we have an opportunity to go into a school and tell people about Jesus. And here are nine, that's good, yes, thank you. Wow. All right. And here are nine classes which represent probably a couple of hundred kids or up to around about 100 kids who this year don't have a teacher. And I'm not throwing this up here to guilt you, but I'm throwing it up here to show you the opportunity that we have. Now, there are two days there. I'm going to break it down real simple. There's a Wednesday and a Tuesday. I want everyone to think about what they're doing on a Tuesday afternoon. Just think. Don't tell me. Think what you're doing on a Tuesday afternoon. I don't know for many of you working nine to five that's cool, and you're fishing for people there. Excellent. But some of you do not have that nine to five, and you think, Tuesday afternoon, I'm just at the cafe, right? Maybe Eleonora Heights, one of these five classes that has no teacher, maybe I can rock up there and teach them about Jesus, right? Have a look at this, 145 and 225, there are five classes that need a teacher. A real practical, simple uh, not so simple, but a, a, a quick way to get in there and teach people about Jesus, to fish for people. Or Wednesdays. What are your Wednesdays like? Well, Wednesday mornings, 9.10 or 9am at Collaroy and North Narrabeen. There are classes going there. Wednesday afternoons, Wheeler Heights at 2.30pm. Think about your Tuesday afternoon. Think about what your Wednesday looks like and think how you may be able to plug one of those gaps. Now, it's not for everyone, uh, but we, NBC, will we'll endeavour to train and equip you. There are a few things you'll need to do to make that happen, and we're, we're on deck to be able to walk you through that to make sure you can get in there uh, and teach these kids about Jesus, uh, to fish for people. Please be praying about this, and pray quickly. Classes start in a couple of weeks, and we need teachers, so be praying. Whether it's you or someone else, please be bringing these opportunities before God. All the pastoral staff are on board teaching, and we'd love you to join us as well. So that's the first one. The second one, Dylan, can you please flick up? Next slide. Is we're running an alpha course throughout the month of March. Four Monday nights, 
in the month of March, we are running an Alpha course. If you don't know what the Alpha course is, Alpha is just a course that is designed to teach people the basics about Jesus, to introduce them to what life is about uh, and centering that life on Jesus. This is an opportunity for you, if you don't yet know Jesus, to come along and hear all about it. Or maybe you do know Jesus and you have people around you who don't. It's an opportunity for you to not just send them, but to bring them. Uh, they're going to have a chance to hear qu- answers to their questions, uh, to be able to grapple with some of the truths that are presented to them through the Bible, and to be introduced to Jesus, who wants to call them into an apprenticeship just like we are. So we want you to start praying. There's flyers in the foyer. If you didn't get one on the way in, please take one home, So stick it on your fridge or something you look at all the time so you're reminded of this opportunity uh, and start inviting people along. Bring them along. Uh, and if you are someone who likes to serve by cooking food or something like that, Please come and tell us and we can enlist you to, um, to fish for people in that way. Two opportunities right at our fingertips, right? Teaching scripture, inviting people to Alpha Course. And there are many more, as I said, in your day-to-day life. Uh, Jesus' call to discipleship, to apprenticeship, transforms your current vocation. And you are, whatever you're doing tomorrow, a fisherman for Jesus' kingdom. So let's pray.